0: Remember, remember that. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob, if you don't know, from Vine Street Christian Church. And it's an honor to be here again. I've been here a few times. I've been here a few years now. Why do I still feel like a newcomer? <laughs> Lamar, is there a reason for that? I don't know. I, I tell people who move here, just you'll, you'll always you know, be a visitor and never be a stranger, right? She's not one of the originals. I'm not an original Arthurite. I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, and raised there. Uh, Had a life, uh, you know, had a family, (laughs) believe it or not. And uh, had a job in the real world. Uh, I was involved in government and politics. It uh, took me all over the country. Uh, Lived in D.C. for quite a while. Um, And I was living the life, right? You know, high on the hog. And uh, it was killing me. And it... Came real close, finally, to killing me. And uh, then I started a new life. The life we just sang about. The new song, right, that God gives us in Jesus Christ. All my hope is in Jesus. Because as I tried as hard as I could for years and years to save myself, it only got worse. It's not even like it stayed the same. The harder I tried, the worse it got. Until there came a time in my life, in my 40s, that I had to just pray, like, for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, pray, like, scream, yell, and cry, pray. You know those prayers, those desperate prayers? You just want to lay down, spread out. Either that or jump off and take a break from the world. Well, that's not an option. Jesus was an option. And Jesus saved me. And I t- uh, made a bargain. Have you ever bargained with God? Who hasn't, right? Well, in this desperate time in my life, I I made a bargain with God. And I told God, you know, if you save me, and I didn't mean like salvation. I meant save my finances, save my marriage, save my house. If you save me, I'll give you this life because I can't do a thing with it. I just don't want everybody else to go down with me. If you'll save me, I'll give you my life. And by God, he did it. And uh, thank God you don't know the old Bob. Um, So this is a new Bob singing a new song. Uh, But it goes back to our scripture. So I preach Jesus, really. I'm a Jesus-centered guy. I'm not a denominational person. Some people think, you know, I'm not a Christian church person because a lot of what I teach about Jesus doesn't always go in sync with the church, Shocker, huh? So I always try to go back to Jesus. So you may notice that today if I do that, especially with that text we've got. This is the scripture for today for Unity Week. Isaiah 1, 1 through 17. Now, it was in your bulletin last week because Glenn emailed me and wanted it. So I gave him Isaiah 1 through 17 message version, the message version. Are are you uh, familiar with the message? Anyone? Raise your... You can... As you notice, I don't have any sheets of paper in front of me or a speech. I need help. (laughs) So I like a conversational style. So are you familiar with with the message? It's technically, and I learned this the hard way, but it's technically not a translation. Be careful when you're around seminary people. It's not a translation because it doesn't take word for word of Scripture and translate it into new language. It takes paragraphs of Scripture and paraphrases it into new language. So it takes the whole concept of a paragraph and then goes back and gives you what that paragraph might have sounded like today. And that is the voice of the message. The message voice is one that's intended to reflect how God's word would sound like today if it was written and inspired today in our modern culture instead of 2,000 years ago, or in our case, Four or 5,000 years ago. So that's what the message is trying to do. Now, some of you have a handout with our scripture on it today, right? Some of you are lucky and don't have that, and won't have to live with that the rest of the day. Uh, it's, a, it's a very intense scripture. So are you familiar with the prophet Isaiah? Have you heard the name Isaiah? Isaiah is one of our, we call a major prophets. Isaiah has a huge book in the Bible, Right? I mean, a big chunk of it. It's like 66 chapters. And it extends over 300 years. Some say 400. How does that? How does Isaiah do that? Well, the thinking is that the the prophet Isaiah came in the form of several voices. Maybe three, four. Some people believe there was a group of voices that wrote parts of Isaiah. But we, we have, so we divide Isaiah up into these parts based on who we think wrote them. There's 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, and 3rd Isaiah. Again, some people think there are more. We're dealing with 1st Isaiah, right? So we know we have like the one who started it all. Now, what would be the message of a prophet of God to the people of Israel 2,000, 3,000 years before Jesus? What would God have to say to those people? That's what prophets were. I know we hear today, you know, he speaks like a, modern day prophet or he's a modern day prophet no there were prophets and now they're not there may be people who speak like a prophet i'll I'll give you that but there was an age of prophets that god used to communicate with his people then there was an age of jesus where god used jesus to communicate with his people then there's our age the age of the holy spirit which God left with us so we could hear the voice of God speak to us. This goes back way before all that. This is God speaking through prophets. Anybody want to be a prophet? Most of them were killed by their people because they spoke truth. So that's what us pastors face occasionally, that fear. Isaiah 1. If you've got a sheet, I'm, just, I'm going to read some excerpts. I'm not going to read this for you because we'd all be depressed and mad, and you'd never have me. My, I read this to my mom, and she was—she wanted to be here today, by the way. If you want to lift up some extra prayers today, you can lift up. My mom's name is Lois. Uh, she's 94. She lives over on Parkview. She tries to come to church and Sunday school every Sunday. Today wasn't going to happen, but that's okay. She's here in spirit, and she'll, uh, well. She'll feel what's going on here. I know that. She'll let me know. But when I read this scripture to her, she was scared to death. She said, if you come in my church and read this scripture, I'm never going to invite you back. Well, that was late in the week after I had spent four days, you know, working on the scripture. Like how to deliver it and what to teach. It's a harsh scripture. Because God is trying to tell truth to God's people and they won't listen. So parents... When you try to teach truth to your children and they don't listen, sometimes you raise it up a little. You ramp it up a little, right? And they still don't listen and maybe you ramp it up a level, right? And maybe they still don't listen and maybe you ramp it up another level. That's what we've got. We've got about the third level of God trying to communicate with the Israelites about how he wants them to live. So think of this. God, through Isaiah, speaking to the most religious people in the world. These are God's children. This is our ancestors, right? These are our spiritual ancestors. We need to think about how God speaks to his people, then and now. Well, then, this is how he spoke. Here's some of the things from the text. It said, um, I had children, God said, and raised them well. And they turned on me. That's one verse. I had children and raised them well, and they turned on me. So one thing we know, this is going to be about the turn, right? (laughs) We're going to hear a lot about the people turning on God. So at least we're warned. But what about before that? I had children and raised them well. Where was that? When was that? I had children and raised them well. Well, we have to use our spiritual insights and the Holy Spirit... When God had children and they were well is the first chapter, first few chapters of our Bible, right? It's Eden. It's the garden. It's the place that represents perfect harmony between all of God's creation. Not just perfect harmony between us, but perfect harmony between and among us and everything God created. And That's Eden, right? That's what the Garden of Eden is. Everything is in complete harmony with God's will. Oh, we long to see that again, don't we? We've got to get back to the garden. That's the story of Jesus. We've got to get back to the garden. He calls you his lambs. You know, he's he's your shepherd. He wants to lead you back to a place of perfect harmony with God's will and God's creation. Well, these, these folks are not quite there. Here's some of the things he says about Quote unquote, Israel. My people don't know up from down. Shame. Misguided God dropouts. Staggering under their guilt baggage. Villainous gang. Band of vandals. My people have walked out on me, their God. They have turned their backs on the Holy of Israel. They've walked off and never looked back. Why bother even trying to do anything with you when you just keep to your bullheaded ways? You keep beating your heads against brick walls. Everything within you protests against you. From the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, nothing's working right. So if you come upon Jesus one day and you wonder what he might say to you, you probably hope it's not this. You know, especially if you're a pastor, you know, you've been wasting your time. You're wasting your life, basically. It's not working, right? Nothing's working right. Now, this is God's voice. Remember, Isaiah is a prophet. He doesn't speak on his own. Prophets only speak the words of God. That's why they're called prophets. That's why they were there at that specific time. That was how God communicated with his world during that time. God is talking to his children The tribe he started, go back to Abraham, Uh, wherever you want to start, he's talking to his precious, you know, rare, small, fragile tribe of followers, of people who, the only group of people in the world, think of this, who believe in the one God. Remember during their time, everybody had as many gods as they could round up, right? Every nation, every king, right? Had a whole slew, a whole closet of gods, you know, many of them half human. You know, half animal, they were in charge of things like, you know, the kitchen and taking care of my fields and making sure my wagon runs. You had a God for everything. Multiple gods was the way of the world. And multiple gods that had direct influence on every aspect of our daily life. I mean, every aspect. So if you displease the gods, then your crops were going to get rained out, you know. Or, you know, you please the gods, then you're going to have a great crop. That's how it works. If you're in favor with God, good things happen. If you're not in favor with God, bad things happen. Now, that doesn't sound so bad until you flip it the other way, right? Right? Therefore, good things happen to me because I'm in favor with God. And here's the trick. If that's so, do bad things happen to you because you're not in favor with God? Is that the God we have? Is that the God that Jesus taught us about? It's the God of Isaiah. That's where it comes from. And it still lingers on to this day. A God whose judgment is harsh and consequential and can be just as negative as it is positive. That's Isaiah's God. That's the God of this tribe of people who are about to go, you know, you lose this tribe, you lose it all. You lose this tribe of people that Isaiah is talking to, we're, the movement has stopped. God's not going to let that happen. God speaks to him. Let me give you just a little more taste of that, what God has to say. God says on this back page now, if you have the handout at the top, listen to my message. I'm not even going to say what he says next because it would take me two hours to explain that. Um, but he says, why this frenzy of sacrifices? Now... This would be like, again, we walk up on Jesus one day and he would come up to a pastor and say, Why this frenzy of church? Why this frenzy of all about what happened to me? What happened to my way? What happened to beloved community? What happened to unity? What happened to one in the Spirit, one in the Lord? What happened to do not judge? What happened to love your neighbor? Right? What if he said that to me? And I'm going, that's what we study every Sunday. That's what we do at church. That's what church is for. How's it impacting outside the walls? What change is happening in the world that's transforming it into the kingdom of God because of you? Because of you. You're who he's counting on. You. What are you taking outside the walls of the church to change the world? Because it's sad to say... If it's nothing, then this really isn't a body of Christ. If it's nothing, and I, we know it's not nothing, but I'm saying there are churches that are very insular, right? That really don't affect the world. That's what he's worried about. This tribe of people feel like they're the only chosen people. Their whole practice of religion is based on sacrifice. That's what they believe. That's what Abraham taught him. Abraham taught sacrifice. You sacrifice your bull, you sacrifice your sheep, your grain, whatever you got. You sacrifice it to God. The first harvest, right? You bring it to the temple and give it to the rabbi, right? The temple in Jerusalem, because that's where God is, by the way. Very literal religion. God is at the temple. If you're going to sacrifice to God, gather up your best of your harvest, put it in the wagon, get your donkey, take it to Jerusalem... Take it up to the, to the holy level of the temple where sacrifices are done and have it sacrificed. And by the way, you have to pay for that to make it. That, folks, that's, I mean, if I, that's religion. <laughs> you know, I be, beg my pardon. That sounds a lot like religion to me and a lot less like Jesus. So we're not uh, exempt from this. Listen to some of these things. So their whole religion is based on sacrifice, right? If you sacrifice, you're in. If you don't make sacrifices, you can't be in. You can't be in our tent, right? And here's what God says. He says, um, I lost my place." These, these sacrifices, rams, plum grain-fed calves, don't you think I've had my fill? When you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this? Right? Think about that. Whoever gave us the idea that this is the way it's supposed to be, right? We always should be thinking about that, right? We always should be thinking that this isn't the end, church, congregation, body of Christ. This is the means to Jesus' ends. That's our calling. Our calling isn't to come here. Our calling is out there. We come here to be fed by Christ because the world only thinks they know this God. This judgmental, wrathful, harsh, scary. How many people grow up scared of God in our culture? Many. How many many people aren't here today because they know they'll be judged when they walk in? Many. It's not just this church, by the way. Our church, too. It's every every good Jesus-centered church. It can be scary for people. It can be scary. They read this and they, you know, Jesus, uh, God says to us through Israel, through uh, Isaiah, I can't stand your trivial religious games. Guess what I brought in this morning for Sunday school? Bible Jeopardy. <laughs> and then I read this. <laughs> I can't stand your trivial religious games. <laughs> I can't get anything right. You yeah? <laughs> know, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out, God said. I'm sick of your religion. 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 Well, you go right on sinning. When you put on your next prayer performance, by the way, this line just, when you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. Now, is that harsh? Would you ever want to hear that from God, from Jesus? No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. So at the very end, for those who have a scripture, at the very end of this text that we were given, 1 through 17, now we come to the verse they wanted us to preach on, which is 17, which is the good news. Which is basically God saying to this, sweep your lives clean of evil doing. That's the point, folks. That's what God is trying to tell the people. As harsh as he may be speaking here, that's the point. Uh, What do you say? Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings. So I don't have to look at them any longer. Wow. You think God sees your sins? God knows everything about you, knows your thoughts knows your intentions knows everything about you the so holy spirit it sweeps us clean so i don't have to look at them any longer so this is the this is the good part say no to wrong learn to do good work for justice help the down and out stand up for the homeless and go to bat for the defenseless amen we can never lose that 17 verses of god harshly judging his people and at the end saying do my work just do my work he would say if he was here in common language i'm surprised eugene peterson didn't use it in the message right uh, excuse me people of god it's not about you it's not about us it never was when jesus came it was before he came it was all about us the way we worship, the sacrifices we made, the way we dressed, how we ate. It was all about us separating ourselves from everybody else. Then Jesus comes. Jesus shows us it's not about us. He said to die to yourself. He said you had to surrender your your self-will so that you could take on God's will. Ah, the age of the Holy Spirit. The only way to do that. There was no age of the Holy Spirit here. There was a concept of the Holy Spirit, but not an age. Jesus came and turned this all upside down. How long have I gone so far? 18 minutes. What, is it about 10 till or something? I want to make sure I get a point in here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this never comes up in our church, obviously. It's it's okay. <laughs> uh, you'll, be my, you'll be my canary then. Uh, you, <laughs> we could be here a while, folks. Look, the... What I want to say to us today as Jesus followers and Jesus lovers is the God of the Old Testament. This is just so important to understand. The God of the Old Testament, right, is not the same God we have today. It was changed by Jesus. God told us. I know that sounds, got to think about that for a minute. What do you mean it's not the same rule? Jesus came and did a new thing. He sang a new song. Do you notice in those lyrics? He brought a new spirit. He had to, because God sent him to tell us that this God that speaks like this is not the God we have today. God's judgment then, for whatever reason, and I believe it, was harsh, right? I mean, it was personal. You could tell by what I read. It went for your heart, you know. God wanted you to feel, oh, God. Jesus says, Forget about your mistakes. No God is going to call them out, not our God. God's judgment is not condemnation or criticism or separation, expulsion. That's not God's judgment. How do I know that? It does sound good, doesn't it? Because of Jesus. Jesus taught me what God's judgment was, and it's the judgment we want. I don't want that judgment, do you? God's judgment, as Jesus taught us, is called forgiveness. It's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called hope, right? And Jesus says to us, every one of us, even though none of you are worthy, which means there's no end to sacrifices, if that's true. That's why he saved us, right? He said, though none of us are worthy, We're all saved through him because he took the nails for all our sins. I just think about that, so I'll try to bring this full circle. Think about that. Where we were in the age of Isaiah with God trying to really firm up this small tribe of people, right, and keep it alive. But now, for us, that's not what our calling is. Our calling, as Jesus taught us, is to take it to the world and build a kingdom in God's name according to the teachings of Jesus, right? That changes everything. We are not Old Testament tribes. Times have changed and God's done a new thing. So whenever you get a chance at school to teach kids about a loving, all loving God, you know what? We have a phrase for God's love at at Vine Street. We have three words. Anytime you think about the love of God, be sure you remember this, right? It's unconditional You can't do anything to lose an inch of God's love. It's unconditional. It's always 100%, right? Always. Second, God's love, all forgiving. There's nothing you can do that can keep you from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I mean nothing because I have seen people... I have ministered people in jail, in prison, who have done the things that cause us to scream in horror and hate and wanna get revenge and wanna hurt. I've seen those guys, and they're followers of Jesus Christ today. Never give up on anybody. God's love is all forgiving. Nothing you can do that'll separate you from God. Unconditional, all forgiving, and one more never ending. From the moment you come to Jesus for the rest of your earthly existence and the rest of your spiritual existence, whatever that may be, right, you'll never be separated from God. God's love will never end. Never, ever. Which is why we've conquered death. Jesus not only gave us, you know, the freedom from sin, but he conquered death. Which means we now have a new song and we have a new life and a new life that's eternal and not just earthly. So, teaching for today. Let's see, what, do you th- what, what, do you, what would anybody summarize as the, what they got from today? Any little, anything? <laughs> Any little piece? Look, the God of the Old Testament is tossed around a lot in our culture. It's used a lot as punishment, to hurt people, to divide people, to separate people, all right? So we know that's not God's love. Because God's love, this is a test for God's love. Does it always bring people together? Does it, does it always love everyone first, right? Is that, God, is that love the kind that forgives all and can live with anything, right? Forever, unconditionally. That's what the world needs to hear. I don't believe they've heard it. I believe we've been in the buildings preaching to each other. We've just started to, you know, we could conquer this town this town is just the right size that if we break down even the, just the loose barriers we have, right? We get together and can do amazing things for the people who will never walk in our church, ever. And it doesn't matter. Jesus, that would matter nothing to Jesus. He wouldn't ask that question, do they go to church or not? He said, especially if they don't, that's who we're supposed to minister too, right? So, I put out a proposition as I end. Maybe we'll all consider it. My church has no idea I'm doing this, Lamar, so they might not like the idea. No, they'll, they'll love the idea, right? Let's all of us are, we basically have five core churches, four really strong together, and the Southern Baptists are a big part of our association, too. But we have the Methodists, and we have First Baptist, and we have Vine Street, and we have you all, right? What if we, as a, as a group of churches, just adopted every resident of our two counties as members of our church today. One, we'd have a big church, right? But that's not what it would be about. It would be about reaching everybody, right? With all that we have, all that God's given us, make them our members that we serve. Worth a try? VBS is a great example, God bless you. First trip I made to Arthur, just, I hadn't been hired yet. They brought me to VBS. I had never seen anything like that. And we need to recapture what it's supposed to be today. I know, I'll help all I can. What happens when the churches work together in ways that aren't on our agenda, that are brought up by the Holy Spirit, right? That are just spontaneous combustion. of You know what we should do to help that family? By the way, we've got a legacy neighborhood moving in. You know about that? The legacy neighborhood moving in for special needs? That we should be all over that. Not not in an overbearing way. Tell us. Tell us what you need. I mean, it's right in our neighborhood. So anyway, things like that that I think are out there that we're not touching. The gaps is what we can find and fill. I'm going to end the, whatever that was now, teaching. We like I call it Jesus teaching, so whatever you mean. Any questions? Somebody got to nail me. Question? No. Y'all, Yo, you raise your hand, so. I was bidding on the next thing coming up. Oh, you were bidding on the next thing coming up? <laughs> is, is this a telethon? Is that what this is? Is this being on the air as a telethon? <clears throat> Look, peace and grace to all of you. I love being with different people of different denominations, of different churches. The Mennonite, I, I hope you know the, the legacy of the Mennonite church from the Anabaptists. in the the 16th century and the courage and strength they got from God to branch out of this Reformation uh, structure thing and worship Jesus as you were called to worship. You know that's where you come from. The Mennonites came from there. And now there's half a million of you over here. Oh, my God, the power in that? power in that? But anyway, I'm not a big denominational person, so I don't want to bring that. God bless you. Peace. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome oh, right. But I... <laughs> Yeah, I know, because I always do that. Glenn asked me to uh, say a prayer at the end of my message. Oh, okay. I so I started writing down some things. I'm not going to read this, <clears throat> but let's see what God does with this. Let us come to God in prayer. Children of God, sisters and brothers of Jesus. We gather here today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the waters and Spirit of Christ, we have become members of the same sacred family. The one body of Christ. The church. And yet, even here, our sins have caused pain and trauma to each other. There are times we have failed to do God's good work. Even in the simplest and smallest ways. Today we ask, oh God, for you to teach us how to serve the many in need in our town. God might be God calling right now. <laughs> I, I get good responses sometimes. <laughs> Even in the face of harsh and hidden oppression in our town. Nor have we followed your command to care for our young families. Our single moms and dads. Our children whose suffering is often silent, as well as our beloved seniors who populate every street in this town. Talk about a wealth of wisdom. Let's pray that those elders, our seniors, can pour their wisdom into our hearts and show us what beloved community can look like. Now, God, open our hearts so that we may be bold in our worship of you as we pray to you today, and ask for the courage to live your way. Amen.